0: Welcome to The Echocast episode 106 this is a podcast about the division Two, its community news speculation and updates i am bond diesel i do division stuff such as this podcast twitch streams supposedly and some youtube videos about the division two today we will have a state of the game recap division two news and speculation some listener questions and content updates i want to thank our patreon supporters for this month benny hassan christian darren justin tim pk dj jimmy and dale if you would like to support the podcast and my other content please check out patreon.com slash the echo cast okay state of the game recap pretty short one but we'll get into it this week we had hamish Nikki, cuppins and chris talking about title update nine and some other stuff so title update nine will be coming on april 21st this will include various balancing and bug fixes including um, some changes to the exotics Uh, the next manhunt target saturn will be available on tuesday Uh, nikki talked about the exotics and a new system for them uh, exotics will now always drop at a high level, but not god rolled. So they won't have perfect stats, but they will have. Basically, they're making it so the stats that I think would probably drop on legendary will drop on exotics no matter what level you farm them at. Uh, basically, to get rid of really crappy exotics. Um, they're repurposing the upgrade system to allow you to bring level 30 exotics up to 40. And once you've brought them up, you will also be able to re-roll the core attributes um, to your level. So basically, it sounds like it's going to be a random thing. So you could level your exotics up to having like god rolls on them, or you could kill them. You could have low rolls, quote unquote. And then the final thing was they talked about the Northeast League Week 2 started this week. Um, the urban jungle apparel event ends on the 28th and you can only earn keys until the 21st, then you have to buy them. My thoughts on it. I mean, this is kind of a standard, uh, state of the game. Considering the COVID-19 situation, um, we have some stuff I'm going to talk about after the mid roll, um, that I think is interesting. And, uh, we'll be talking about the future of division two, but for this, uh, state of the game. I think these changes are fine. Um, There's a lot of stuff that people want changed or quote-unquote fixed right now. This obviously probably didn't address most of that. Um, I suspect we're kind of seeing the maximum of what they can really do from home at the moment. I wouldn't even be surprised if a lot of this title, Update 9, is stuff that they did um, before the quarantine. So... Yeah, I mean it's fine. I have to admit I've barely been playing so like the apparel event and the league and even the season in general, I've kind of fallen a little, little bit behind. Um just don't have time. <laughs> I've talked about it before. Um I think a lot of people thought this situation would mean we all have tons of extra time and maybe some of you do, but I definitely don't. I actually feel like I'm busier than I've ever been. So, yeah. Uh, so keep all those dates in mind title update nine next week should be interesting it's kind of a bummer um the title updates 10 used to mean like new activities new things to do um this seems like it's just kind of a patch um it is a a client side patch so there's a bunch of stuff they can fix and correct that they can't do from the server side so you're probably going to see some changes um I know they talked about some descriptions that were fixed and things like that. So it's good stuff. It's progress. It's not what everyone wants, but let's be totally honest. At some point, you're not going to please everyone. And what we're going to do is four and a half minutes in, go into the first mid-roll. <laughs> okay, so um, we'll jump into some Division Two topics uh, the main one being, and uh, pretty much the only one I'm going to talk about, is we now know that at least Terry Spear and uh, I assume all of Red Storm is no longer working on Division 2. So Terry Spear made a post yesterday, which was the 14th, and talked about how... Hey, you guys are asking me questions about Division 2. We're actually not working on it and haven't been for a while. So, you know, direct your questions to Massive. So right now it seems like Massive is the lead on all parts of Division 2, including PvP. Uh, I think people thought that Red Storm was only PvP. They weren't. Um, They did a lot of world design and a lot of, um, I think, the gun models and stuff like that. So uh even in Division One, they did West Side Piers. You know, that, that whole area was theirs, uh, their work. And I think I wanna say they I can't remember if they did the northern, the DZ expansion or not. Uh that might have been massive. Um the the real dense, really cool uh DZ, what, seven, eight, nine that got added after the game came out. Um so that's that's kind of a bummer, right? Um I know uh, I made a joke on Twitter that caught a little bit of attention, uh, go figure that I said, I, I, I made a kind of a sarcastic tweet where I put in quotes, uh, you know, you, you guys, you know, you, you guys suck at doing PVP. Uh, and then I had like them saying like, Oh, we're no longer working on the PVP. And then in quotes, people being like, please come back and save the PVP. Um, if you go look at Terry's Twitter, um, there are some people uh, that, um, you know, have a history of maybe not being the nicest people on earth, uh, when interacting with anyone, but especially the devs, uh, it was just kind of funny seeing people telling Terry, please come back and fix the PVP when those guys caught as much crap as anyone did when it came to the PVP. So um, it's a bummer, though. Uh, Terry and Keith and Tony um, were kind of the main faces of Red Storm when it came to Division Two. Um, Tony is actually from uh, originally from uh, near where I live, so it was actually kind of cool. Um, I met all three of them at E3 a couple years ago, um, and it was really fun chatting with them. Um, there's kind of a connection that you can get with like fellow like Americans, you know, that, um, I found this kind of tough sometimes when you're talking to people at massive. Um, so getting to talk to those guys and, um, like I'm under the impression that most of the people at massive, like aren't really into guns and stuff like that. You know, a lot of them are European, especially Swedish, um, which I know that there's, I know there's gun enthusiasts there. Um, but not the same and those guys at red storm are (laughs) they're very into guns and i remember hearing a story about when they went uh when people from massive went to red storm um for a division one development meeting they uh they went out to a range and like most of the guns there were red storm employees guns uh they weren't even like rented or anything so um it's a bummer. Red Storm did a lot of really good work on Division 2. Obviously, a lot of that comes down to opinion. Uh, but I really kind of hate that they've left the, the game in kind of a whimper. Um, since we really haven't heard from them in over six months, uh, probably more, um, I wouldn't even be surprised if they've not really actually been that involved in Division 2 at all. Um, after release, it kind of seems like they did conflict- uh, did a few things after the game came out, and I suspect that's all they've done. Um, whatever they're currently working on, I suspect is kind of the, the their focus. Um, and I don't know what that is. Um, back in October, they had a playtest where they recruited people to come in and, and do a playtest. Um, it had a World War II like, poster associated. Uh, Ubisoft actually owns the Brothers in Arms uh, games, uh, or the license, if you remember that. Uh, that was made by gearbox <laughs> so um uh, i don't know i don't think ubisoft works with them anymore um i i suspect that gearbox was the developer and ubi was just the publisher that it wasn't like developed in-house um, but i assume that ubi still owns the rights so um that would be a game that would be right up uh, red storm's alley if you don't know red storm's history they they started Rainbow Six. They they are the ones who, you know, they used to be an independent studio. They got with Tom Clancy and that branding and made the first Rainbow Six and uh eventually made an offshoot which was Ghost Recon. Um they didn't do Rainbow Six Vegas. I didn't know that. I thought they did. Uh Vegas was done by Ubisoft Montreal and some Ubisoft studios. Uh I think the same ones that are doing Siege. And um but but Ghost uh but Red Storm has a really awesome uh history of video games and um they did future soldier which is one of my favorite games ever ghost recon and uh a game like brothers in arms would be right up their alley um speaking of ghost recon um i've said for years uh, i would love to see red storm get ghost recon back uh they you know they know that that series through and through because they invented it and I would love to see them get it back from Ubisoft Paris. Um, I know that Paris helped with Future Soldier, my favorite game. Um, but even going back to games like Advanced Warfighter and stuff like that, uh, I would really like to see Ghost Recon go back to its roots and and shed whatever the skin is of Wildlands and Breakpoint. I know people like that those games. That's cool. Um, I just wish that those games had a different brand on them. I... I I think they could have a tactical military shooter made by Ubisoft Paris that wasn't called Ghost Recon. It could be something different. Um, It could even be a different Tom Clancy game if they really wanted it to be. Um, But I would really love to see Ghost Recon get back to Red Storm um, to a studio who I think probably cares a lot more about its history um, and not just following fads. Um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint and Wildlands especially Breakpoint to me is just Assassin's Creed with guns, and and I don't think that's what Ghost Recon should be. One thing that someone pointed out to me, um, I made a video about this whole Red Storm thing yesterday on my YouTube channel. You can search for Bond Diesel on YouTube. Um, Someone uh, messaged me and said, hey, don't forget that uh, two or three years ago, um, there were reports about Massive uh, Entertainment, the Division Studio, working on a battle royale. Um, so we've never really heard anything else about it, but I remember that being a big topic, like not just like within the division community, but it being a rumor and something talked about by like IGN and, you know, all of the big gaming media. So there's a chance, I guess, but that was rumored to be a massive project. So I don't really know how that would work. Um, the, the kind of last bit of speculation I have about what Red Storm could be doing is um, Division 3. Uh, so I have this weird dream <laughs> where uh, Red Storm would essentially make a future Soldier 2 spiritual successor and Division 3 by making Division 3 a more realistic, a more gritty, a more story-focused game with a really awesome multiplayer PvP mode attached to it then massive gives up division works on the avatar games. Cause there's probably gonna be 15 of them. Cause they're making 30 of those movies and then brings back world in conflict and does world in conflict two, And then maybe a division like a, like a free to play division uh, battle Royale. Now that's just a, a personal cause basically I would love to see a division three be basically a future soldier type game where it's a single player base game where you have these really awesome missions and this amazing story that also has a really, really awesome multiplayer component to it separate. I don't know about the DZ and all that. I don't know by division three, maybe story-wise, maybe, you know, dark zones don't even make sense anymore. Uh, and it could be kind of a response to how the dark zone has just never really worked in the game. (laughs) So maybe they'll give up on it as a concept. Um, I think division three is absolutely happening. It wouldn't surprise me at all if next spring they announce it um, as a as like a next gen exclusive game. And um, as of the end of two thousand nineteen, Division Two had made three hundred twenty million dollars with the new expansion and the sale and all of that. I wouldn't be surprised if Division Two is now currently at four hundred, maybe close to five hundred million dollars. So despite its issues and all of that, I can't imagine the game had a bigger budget than 50 100 mil maybe even 150 mil uh maybe 200 but that means you know worst case scenario the game has doubled its budget so you know profit wise that's a good thing for ubisoft and i cannot imagine that they will you know put that on the back burner um but we'll have to wait and see so what's Redstorm doing i don't know i kind of wish they could have gotten the proper goodbye um I even, despite the issues, I think that if they would have said, Hey, you know, a few months ago, a year ago, however long ago it was, Hey, red storms, no longer working on division two. Thank you guys for all your feedback and playing the game and all the love. I think there would have been a really good response from the majority of people to say, Hey, that's awesome. Thank you guys for your work. You know, good luck on whatever you're doing. So I guess I'm kind of bummed that they kind of went out with a whisper. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what they're working on. Maybe it's going to be something directly related. Um, I suspect no matter what they do, I know I'll probably be interested. When it comes to gaming topics and, and division topics in general, uh, there's some, um, well, I'll start with is to do this segment. I typically go to Reddit and search for the top posts for the previous seven days and out of, I probably looked at 50 posts and there were like four that weren't just memes or rant post. And and I'm not even saying rants, like, cause there's rants on there that are, are relatively decent criticism. I'm not talking about those. So it kind of shows, um, I think the game obviously isn't in a perfect state. I'm not playing as much as I would like to. Now there's various reasons for that, but a part of its motivation um but man <laughs> it just it will always amaze me that there it, it almost sometimes seems like the people who dislike this game are more passionate about it than those who love it uh and 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 maybe that's a dumb statement i don't know but i i just don't like the game's a, a little boring to me at the moment i have stuff to do it's not like i don't i have a ton of stuff to do i just kind of don't feel like playing it because for me, everything takes so long to play right now. You know, To do a legendary mission, you're looking at over an hour, maybe two or more if you are random matching. And I'm lucky if I can get 45 minutes to an hour to even play right now. So I find myself mostly just trying to farm activities uh, for some decent gear and to get my shade rank up and my season rank. So I guess I just don't understand why... There's so many people who seem to just be completely disappointed by the game. They want their money back. They want the devs all fired, whatever, who um, still play (laughs) or at least still think about the game a lot. You know, they spend a lot more a lot more time on it than I seem to. Um, It doesn't make sense. And then that kind of that kind of spilled over last week uh, when they canceled the stay of the game to um, some really awful responses. People, you know, wishing COVID nineteen on the devs. Um, a lot of people don't realize, and I think it was talked about publicly on there, but like Hamish has MS. So uh the COVID nineteen is potentially deadly to him. Um so he has to be really careful with his health and with what he does and, and taking care of himself. And, you know, people wishing COVID-19 on him are essentially wishing a death, uh, you know, (laughs) a death knell to him. And which is, I think we can all agree that's inappropriate. Um, And then there were even, it's a real bummer, man. There's there's a handful of, of creators right now. They, they all suspiciously have like 10,000 subscriptions on YouTube. I, I assume that maybe there's like a deal on those websites where you can get fake followers they, cause they all curiously have like 75 Twitter followers and like exactly 10,000 or exactly 20,000 subscriptions on YouTube. It's really interesting. Um, and then like, you know, they get like five or 600 views per video and then randomly we'll have like 20,000. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not one to, you know, straight call people out for, uh, buying views and buying subs, but it is interesting that they all just happen to have like the same number of subs, uh, and views on their videos. But, you know, I also don't know what the hell I'm doing on YouTube, so maybe they know something I don't. But unfortunately, there's kind of like this band of people right now. Um, You know, there's been people in the past in the community uh, that were kind of trolly. I mean, even people like Marco and stuff like that, even though he was really informative, also kind of had his moments of trolling. Um, And then there's been some other like just really shithead, awful people um, who gained some prominence in the community. I'm not going to mention them because the last time I did, I uh, got blackmailed (laughs) and uh, almost got doxxed. So it's not worth it they aren't worth it it's fine but um it seems like now there's like this kind of mini version of that where there's like four or five you know maybe more of these creators who you know are known for stealing you know screenshots from people for their thumbnails or for straight making up fake ndas to get clicks on their videos or you know posting like exploiting videos and showing everyone how to do that supposedly because it would help it get fixed faster even though that's not true and it's weird um i think last week was when i kind of made you know a joke about there was this quote-unquote player state of the game that involved literally every person involved with it is shady um i will point out uh that there's a person named ek1 don't agree with them basically on anything but i will say they've always been reasonable to me and even in this situation with hamish they were very reasonable um don't really love the content but they don't probably like mine either and that's perfectly fine um so there's some reasonableness in it but not always and it's just kind of a bummer seeing you know these people i assume are the ones that are quote unquote leading the community from a, like a creator perspective right now, because there is no Marco anymore. I I, wids does stuff still, but I I mean, he just streams basically, you know, does build videos and it's just, it's, it's a bummer. I've talked a lot about this. Um, and, and the thing I want to point out about it is that I'm not saying I'm not hypocritical here. I've basically come to the conclusion that I'm toxic as hell too. Now I'm trying to use, you know, my goal isn't clicks. It's not attention. It's not that it's to basically call out these assholes when necessary. Um, and I have a little bit of a platform, um, uh, and that may be toxic in its own regard. Um, I, I even kind of recognize I'm kind of an asshole, uh, in the community. Um, but I guess for me, I've kind of taken the stance that I'm kind of trying to use it, uh, for good or, you know, try to bring some levity or something to the community. Um, i don't know it's interesting because even like some of the people that i would consider like the quote-unquote like good people in the community um are, are kind of it's kind of weird because there's even some people in the in the community who i think are like solid people who are good people um, But I found that even with them, if you don't, you know, suck up to them and promote their content and stuff like that, they'll cut you out. <laughs> it, it's a very odd thing. I, like, I personally find myself very uh, kind of isolated in the community at this point. There's a few people I talk to here and there. Um, but, but basically, I just record this podcast and play the game a little bit. And I want to get back to streaming at some point. But even then, I mean, I stream on my own. Um, so it's it's kind of weird. It's a weird thing between the the responses and people trying to say that they speak for the community with this player stay of the game. The funny part about that is that Splinter Shield has been doing player stay of the games for months, <laughs> for, uh, for years even. He's been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, even a while back, uh, Weezer used to do player stay of the games. It's it's not like a new concept. Now I'm sure it is to these guys because they weren't really involved with the community back then or. You know, they kind of are in this kind of small part of the community that doesn't really interact with everyone else. And that's fine. But it um, it's kind of a bummer right now. And, it, and, you know, the state of the game doesn't help. Um, but the whole kind of toxic kind of cloud around the game right now that is the community definitely makes the game seem a lot worse. But it uh, kind of is what it is, I guess. So there's my rant on that um kind of related to that it's there was a lot of there's been a lot of calling out mostly on twitter of uh hamish played with wids on his stream and hamish exploited uh the the season uh ranking and wids helped him exploit it uh he jumped like 20 levels or something in one stream but what people aren't realizing that if you go into the dz you can just farm pve and jump levels like crazy in the DZ, um or if you're doing like league activities or um, anything related to the manhunts um I, I know everyone thinks that Woods, uh you know exploited the target practice thing and um he didn't get banned even though a lot of other people did i don't really know enough about that uh to be totally honest i don't really consume any of his content i don't watch his streams um i don't know if he cheated or not um i suspect he didn't Uh, Or else the devs probably wouldn't be interacting with them. Unfortunately, I've also noticed, though, that the devs are still playing and and interacting with some of the worst people I've ever interacted with in this community. Um, I get it's their job, so I don't really have a a dog in that fight. (laughs) I just, um, I suspect that if Wids cheated, he'd be banned. Um, I saw that Chris made a statement basically saying what Wids did wasn't technically cheating. That's why he didn't get banned. Um, I don't know that's not my fight. (laughs) I just think it's interesting that people were so, um, so quick to jump on that. There's a lot of people who I think got banned and there's a lot of these kind of small creators um, trying to start drama uh, at any opportunity they can to kind of try to like make themselves look better, even though they cheated, (laughs) you know? Um, And that's fine. That's kind of a natural human response, I guess. Uh, It's just kind of goofy watching it happen in real time uh, by trying to take down Hamish who, for all intents and purposes has always been, you know, a really great comdev and has always been really good and and open with the community uh or at least as much as you can be. So I have a couple of other topics but honestly I've probably talked enough shit so we'll move on to the listener questions. Uh, my listener question this week comes from Silent Rebel 84 on Discord. Uh, there's two questions here if you could go back and make one design decision differently from td1 or td2 that would potentially put this game franchise over the top what would it be and why for division one i probably would have delayed the game a year because i think if division one would have released in 2017 with a bunch of those big issues, if it, if it would have released, uh, let's see what, what, what patch was it? You know, if the game would have released in the state that it was after like 1.4, maybe even like 1.6, I can't remember when 1.6 came out. I want to say it was like late 17. Um, I think it would have fared a lot better if it maybe would have released with last stand, maybe with skirmish, um, maybe with some of the stuff, uh, with especially some of the in-game stuff they added. Um, I think that would have set the game off on a whole different uh, first foot. And we wouldn't have a lot of the issues we have now, both in the game and in the community. Um, unfortunately, I think the game, the way that Division released, and then some of the creators that came to prominence because of the way the game was at release, um, bad, and so kind of nasty people. Uh, Gained attention when the game first came out And kept it uh, Or even later on they were able to Um, I think that Unfortunately the community kind of got soured um, And kind of permanently poisoned Because of the way the game was when it released And now we're kind of Seeing the repercussions of that We see a community that's pretty sour You know I think that's a nice way to put it So I would say just straight delaying The first game a whole year Probably would have been uh good for the franchise in the long run because um, i almost think that the game needs to be rebooted um with a different studio after maybe even a break to try to let all of the toxicity filter to other places and then try again fresh do i think that's going to happen absolutely not but i don't know i think a, i think a one year delay of that game could have made a pretty huge difference the second question from silent rebel was um, conversely, which one design decision from division one or two, do you think kept this game franchise from achieving more than it has? Um, well, I could do the really lazy answer and say, not delaying it. <laughs> um, or uh, I'll go and kind of talk about what I was talking about before with the possible battle Royale. If in the first year of division one, they would have made um, survival free to play. Uh, so the decision I think that they shouldn't have done was to make um, survival uh, to put it behind a paywall. And the reason I think that would have made a big difference is that if people remember survival came out before PUBG. Now, I wouldn't say survival is technically a BR on its own, but it definitely has those that direction and in my opinion is better because you aren't forced to fight to the end you can sneak out if you want survival is almost kind of a combination of a br and a survival game kind of like uh, escape from tarkov you don't have to kill everyone but you can and there's a mechanic for extraction that kind of allows that to be a thing so I would say, uh, I think that the game would have taken a, a big turn if they would have treated maybe the DLC differently. Because the DLC, I mean, the Underground is great too, with uh, Division 1, and a lot of people never got to play it. Um, I still think that Survival and Underground hold kind of a rose-tinted glasses uh, situation with Division fans. I think that they get a little too much credit for how good they are. But they are good, and I think that if more people would have gotten the touch... I remember seeing this idea a lot, but if they would have made survival even like a free-to-play standalone, um kind of like how Fortnite was, you know, the multiplayer was uh kind of a free version of the game uh beside the survival game. Because if, if people don't remember, <laughs> Fortnite started as a survival game where you made a fort to fight off like zombies. Uh and then the free version came out that was the multiplayer, the battle royale. And then I don't think they even have the regular Fortnite game anymore. I think that's only the free version now. Um, I think that if Division 1 would have had a free-to-play survival, and then it allowed people to buy the full game for 20 bucks if they liked the survival aspect, that probably would have been really good. I think that would have probably changed the game a lot, maybe changed the direction that Division 2 even went. Um, I, I think that... Uh, that that would have been a big deal. Um, there's obviously a hundred answers for both of your questions, but I would say those are the two I feel the most comfortable defending. Okay. So with some content updates, um, I did start a new podcast called the Xbox dad cast. I'm talking specifically about the Xbox, the series X that's coming out, um, news and speculation about that. Um, as most of you know, I'm a big Xbox fan. I, I still play Division on the Xbox. I think I'm like the only creator left, if, if that's what you call me. Um, he's still on console. Um, I feel like everyone else switched to PC. Um, I have a nice PC. I play PC games. I just, I don't like Division on PC. I don't, I don't know if it's, um, I actually, I hate the controls. <laughs> I, I hate mouse and keyboard with Division obviously the mouse is more it's easier to aim with um but everything else sucks on the keyboard i think i hate using skills i hate using the cover system i hate everything else (laughs) about uh, pc division 2 i own it i just i think i'm level 8 back when it came out and if i have to out myself right now i think the only time i played division 2 on pc was before the release when I VPN'd to Australia to play it for a few hours before it actually released. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, but I do have a new podcast that's Xbox focused. So if you search the Xbox Dadcast on any podcast provider, I should be on all of the major ones. If I'm not, let me know and I can add it. Um, and I'm at Xbox Dadcast on Twitter, so you can follow me on there. That's a Xbox focused account that I am running. Okay, so uh, if you could, uh, if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening, I would appreciate it. If you want to support the podcast or my other content, please check out patreon.com slash the echo cast. I am bond diesel on Twitch, where I try to stream a couple times a week, and that will be happening again, eventually, I promise. Uh, if you want some cool echo cast or bond diesel merch, check out bond diesel slash merch. That's all I have, so until next time.